Well, Rich and I and the kids are delighted to be back on this long weekend, and uh, Dan and Sarah can catch up with one another and the new little baby and enjoy each other. Um, for those of you uh, who uh, we haven't met yet, my name is Patricia Batten, and I was the former pastor here. I was raised in this church as a little girl and uh, helped our church to uh, find Pastor Dan and hire him. It's been a huge blessing, so it's fun to be back. Glad to see you. 27 years ago, in October of 1991, the Andrea Gale set sail from Gloucester, Massachusetts, never to be seen again. The Andrea Gale was no fair-weathered fishing boat. In fact, it was fairly weathered. It had followed fish through rough seas and calm. It had known the stench of thousands of fish, the blood stained on its deck. The Andrea Gale, it was not a fair-weather fishing vessel. It was fairly weathered. But I suppose that's how life goes for a boat that follows fish. Now, you and I may not be professional fishermen, but we do know what it's like to be fairly weathered. When I was in college, I water skied for the first time. Have you ever water skied? Yeah, don't try it. <laughs> don't try it. Um, well, Rich glided beautifully and gracefully behind our friend's boat. I was dragged. <laughs> I mean, looked like a cartoon. Just mercilessly dragged and obviously ultimately had to let go. But just did not have the strength to stand up. I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't feel like I'm following, sometimes I feel like I'm being dragged through life <laughs> by whatever the next thing is, just dragging me along. Well, today I want to talk to you about a story in Luke's Gospel. It's found in chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. We're going to look at a man named Peter who was not a fair-weather follower of Jesus Christ. He was fairly weathered. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him, and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. 
When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners and the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Is it okay to change to this? Yeah? Okay. Yeah, I think we're okay. So Peter followed fish. I mean, that's what he did for his career, right? That was his profession. He was a fisherman. He grew up around the lake, the Sea of Galilee. Uh, the Sea of Galilee uh, is, is quite quite a sight. It is the lowest freshwater lake in the world. Um, it's 13 by 7 miles, and it has this aura about it. Uh, the Sea of Galilee, uh, you could go out on a, on a sunny day, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a fierce squall or storm uh, could come through and wreak complete havoc, and what looked like a beautiful fishing day could really turn disastrous very quickly. Well, so Peter grew up around here, and you imagine Peter, the little boy, must have seen the fishermen. The fishermen are coming onto shore and unloading their catch, carp and sardines, tilapia. And he would have seen the, uh, the salting process, uh, preserving these fish. He would have seen the older fishermen uh, weathered and, and tanned and streaked by the sun. Peter is a little boy. Maybe Peter looked at them and said, I'd like to do that. Get on the boat, be on the water, cast my nets, work hard. Did you have dreams as a little kid? I mentioned that I was raised in this church. Well, when I was a little girl, you know what I wanted to be when I grew up? A Sunday school teacher. <laughs> like my mother. <laughs> so I became somewhat of a Sunday school teacher. <laughs> I wanted to be a Sunday school teacher. Uh, I've asked my three kids what they want to be when they grow up. And you, you must remember your duties, right? What you wanted to be when you grew up. Uh, Jack would like to be a doctor now. That's changed over the years, but now he wants to be a doctor, and he says he wants to be an oncologist. He's interested in studying cancer. Uh, Sam said he'd like to be an architect, build houses or buildings, or maybe a veterinarian. He's not sure. And Timothy, you can ask him yourselves whenever I ask Jack and Sam, Timothy, what do you want to be? Do you know what he says? A window washer. That's what he says every time. A window washer. And I just smile. <laughs> Good thing your brother's going to be a doctor. <laughs> but, uh, 
sometimes those dreams we have as kids, I mean, maybe for you it was flying jets or um, having a corner office and a tall, tall building and a skyscraper. Uh, Maybe it was serving your country. Whatever it was, something happens as we grow older. (laughs) And those dreams of childhood often fade away and reality kicks in. And we've got to get a job. We have to pay the bills. Maybe support a family. And I wonder for Peter, those dreams of a little boy, life out at sea, has become reality. The reality has sunk in. And he's dealing with life. And sometimes failure. And uh, that's where we meet Peter today. He has just come back from a fishing expedition, and he hasn't caught a thing. Nothing. There are no fish to be caught. So he's out, and the passage tells us that uh, he's washing his nets, scrubbing them down. And it's quite a task. And as he's out washing the nets, Jesus comes along. And there's a crowd around Jesus. And they're listening to the word of God. Jesus is talking about God. Verse 2. Jesus sees at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. So Jesus gets into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. And he asks Simon to put out from shore. Now I imagine Peter got into these boats, or Jesus got into this boat for a couple of reasons. He's got a large crowd pressing against him. Getting into that boat is going to give him a little bit of space. It's going to allow the water, this natural amplification for his voice to be heard. So he's teaching the crowds, but we see even here, right now, that Jesus is preparing to teach not only a large group of people, but a very important, life-changing lesson to one person, to Peter. So Jesus says, okay, come on, back in the boat. And Peter's out there scrubbing his nets and uh, washing their nets and um, Jesus is teaching the people from the boat, verse 3, then verse 4. When he finished speaking, he says to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. I love this. Simon answers, Master. So they already they have some kind of relationship. He calls him Master, you know, a teacher-student relationship. We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say, so I will let down the nets. So Peter's response there, he's saying, Jesus, I'm the fisherman here. I'm the professional. There's nothing out there, okay? We don't need to go back. There's nothing out there. We've been at this all night. Because you say so, we'll do it. But Peter knows that the best fishing is not done during the day. 
because the fish go uh, deep down uh, in into the water. They're not at the top of the. They're not at the surface of the water. So Peter knows this is a ridiculous time to fish. The best fishing is done at night. Peter knows all this, but he pleases Jesus anyway, and he says, "Okay, that's fine. We'll go back out now." Uh, as, as a mom, as a mother of three, I spend quite a bit of time uh, washing things. Uh, dirty children, uh, dirty clothing, lots of cups and dishes. In fact, that's what I feel like I do most of my life, is just uh, wash things and clean things. In fact, just a couple of days ago, we went away for one night. We went to New Haven, Connecticut, and we saw Les Mis at the Schubert Theater. The kids know the music by heart, and um, they were they were thrilled. So we went, we saw Les Mis, but as we were walking, we had a hotel that was in, within walking distance of the theater. Um, Timmy was a little, he's the youngest, was a little bit active. Because I had packed snacks for the car ride, it was a long car ride, and I had put those fun size Milky Ways in the bag. And we had given each child just one, one before the show. But Timmy wanted more. He wanted more. We said, no, you can only have one. That's enough for you. So he was upset about that. And as we were walking to to the show, to the Schubert, he had his orange Crocs on without any any socks. And he started walking a little funny. He and I were held a little bit back, and Rich and Sam were playing a game. They were running, and Jack was on his own, which he prefers. And I don't blame him. And Timmy started doing this funny walk like this, you know, with his feet spread apart. And he said, Mom, Mom, stop, stop. He said, there's something in my shoe. I said, okay. So I looked. And in his shoe, there was definitely, he had stepped in something. He said, I stepped in something. And there was just this brown mess smeared on his foot and his shoe. And I said, Timmy, what did you step in? I don't know. I don't know. And he was getting upset. And I, I had nothing because I just brought my little purse with me, no tissues, nothing. And I said, I'm sorry, you have to walk in it until we get to the theater. I cannot wipe you off. I cannot clean you right now. And uh, he kept walking, and he was upset. And he goes, Mom, it's in the other shoe, too. <laughs> I said, oh, no. I said, you've just got to keep walking, Timmy. I can't do anything until we get there. You know, unless we saw a store, I said I could pop in, but nothing. So then, you know, we were paused, and Sam turned around, and uh, you know, he, he came back. He said, you guys okay? What happened? I said, I don't know. Timmy stepped in something. It's really gross. And, and Sam said, you know what that is? And I said, I assume I do. And he said, no. He hid Milky Ways in his shoes. He hid two Milky Ways in his shoes. And then forgot they were in there. As he was walking, his feet got so hot and sweaty, he stepped in there. It was Milky Way all over him. Couldn't believe it. 
So, of course, when we get to the Schubert, I'm, you know, we're cleaning out his feet and his Crocs and sticky Milky Way, but we were grateful it was a Milky Way. <laughs> but anyway, I know what it's like to clean, to scrub, scrub, scrub. And, you know, as a mom, when I read this passage and I think he's just spent probably hours, Peter and the rest of the fishermen, cleaning these nets, and Jesus says, let's get back into the boat, throw them back in. I just watch those. But here goes Peter. He follows Jesus. Even though what he thinks Jesus is saying doesn't make any sense at all. Maybe you felt that way too. That Jesus has called you to follow in a certain direction that you are thinking, Lord, why is my life going this way? This does not make sense at all. But he says, just follow. Just come. So Peter goes, and uh, verse 6, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat, that's James and John, to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. So now those clean nets are breaking. The catch is absolutely miraculous. It is something that Peter never would have seen had he not gone with Jesus. Jesus said, come on, I'll come back out again. Peter's thinking, eh, I've been there. You know, there's nothing out there, nothing. Come on, come on, come on. Just come and follow I told you we brought the kids to see Les Mis. Well, I guess I had not explained exactly what a musical was. So when we got there, <laughs> these little details, when we got there, they were expecting a concert uh, because that's, they just heard this on, you, you know, uh, audio. They've just heard singers singing these songs. And they thought they would be people just standing in front of them with microphones singing these beautiful Les Mis songs. Well, they were shocked when the people were moving around and acting and in costume. And then, uh, you know, there's this big fight scene and big barricades. And they were mesmerized. I mean, this is a long show, too. But for three hours, these kids could not believe it. Sometimes we follow Jesus, thinking, I don't know where this is going. And you know what, Lord? It doesn't look good to me. And you know what, Lord? I've got 50 reasons why I shouldn't follow you right now. But when we do follow him, despite our fears despite our anxieties, despite what we know to be true in our lives, sometimes we are so surprised by what we see. Peter follows Jesus, and he can't believe what happens. This huge catch, in fact, those beautiful nets that he's just spent hours washing are now breaking, and they need to call their partners in. And Peter has to respond to Jesus. Verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. 
That's the thing about faith. There comes a point in time in all of our lives when we see Jesus for who he really is. Not that we know who Jesus is, we know what he did, but when each one of us individually meets Jesus face to face and we see not only him and how amazing and wonderful he is, but we see who we are. Sinful. In need of a Savior. Each one of us must have that moment. That moment when we see how great and glorious God is and how small we are. And that we have no right to even be in His presence. And it's in that moment that faith for the first time it becomes real. This is Peter's moment. He kneels before Jesus and he realizes how great he is but how small Peter is. And he can't help but fall to his knees and plead for mercy and forgiveness. And each one of us must have that moment when we see God for who he is and then we see ourselves for who we are, people in desperate need of a Savior. You see, that's how God calls us. Just as we are. He doesn't say, clean up, Peter. You stink like You stink like fish. Get that Milky Way off your shoes, then come to me. He says, come. Just as you are. In a few minutes, we'll sing a song. A hymn, it was um, written a couple hundred years ago by a woman named Charlotte Elliott. She was a well-known portrait artist. She wrote humorous stories. She was well-liked. In her 30s, she suffered an illness. And it caused her to become very, very depressed. Downcast. A well-known minister visited Charlotte. And he asked her, Charlotte... Do you have peace with God? She was offended by the question. She brushed him off. But over those next few days, that question wouldn't let her go. It hounded her. Because she didn't have peace with God. And it's something she wanted. So she met up with this minister again a few days later and she said, I'm sorry for the way I treated you. I don't have that peace with God. I don't know how to get it. But before I do, before I become a Christian, I know there are things in my life that I need to clean up and I need to deal with and I need to fix and then I'll come. And you know what that minister said to Charlotte? 
come just as you are. Come to the Lord just as you are. And she did. Fourteen years later, she was writing. She wrote the song, Just As I Am. That's how we come to Jesus. Just as we are. With all of our sin, our guilt, our sorrow, our frustrations, we say, here I am, Jesus. Here you are. I know you can handle this. I know you died for it. Now, we'd be in a sorry state if we were left there on our knees. But Jesus doesn't do that. He takes Peter and he picks him up. And he gives him a new calling. He says, Peter, from now on, you are going to catch men. You followed fish, now you're going to follow me. That means you are going to catch men. You're going to tell people about me, Peter. He gives them a high calling. And that means when we have that moment where we see who Jesus is, we see who we are, and we come just as we are, and God forgives us just as we are, then we live a life that follows Him. And that following isn't always easy. And God doesn't expect us to be fair-weather followers. He's looking for fairly-weathered followers. Followers who follow Him through everything. Through all of the ups, through all of the downs. Follow Him consistently. And in the end, yeah, we'll show the signs of following We'll bear them. We'll show that we are fairly weathered. Not fair weather followers. But we follow Jesus through it all. And Peter did just that. Peter was uh, martyred. Before he was martyred, he um, wrote to some of the churches. And in one of his letters, 1 Peter 3 through 7, Peter writes this to other Christians who are following Jesus in difficult times. He says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. Though now, for a little while... You may have had to suffer. Suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, 
it may be proved genuine. And it may result in praise, glory, and honor when Christ Jesus is revealed. If you go to Gloucester, Massachusetts today, there's a monument to all the fishermen who have perished, who have been lost at sea. Built a long time ago, I think the monument states 1623, fishermen, beginning in 1623. People, men, women, who have followed fish for their lives. But to you who follow Jesus Christ, not fair-weathered, but fairly weathered, there is no monument here on earth, but there is an eternal hope in heaven. There is a crown of glory that awaits all who follow Christ. That is your sure hope. So in this life, follow Jesus. Follow him wherever he brings you. At work, in those little conversations, or the, by the way you do your job, follow Jesus. Follow Jesus when you make decisions about your children in a culture that runs against so much of what God says is good. Follow Jesus when it's hard. When that sorrow is so difficult, it feels like it's crippling you and you just want to run away and say, God, why did you leave me here? Follow him. Follow him then. Follow him when you are forced with two decisions and you know that the easy one is not what God wants. But the difficult one, be faithful to him. Follow him then. And you'll show the signs of a follower who is fairly weathered. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I do pray for this group right before me, Lord, that they would follow you fully, that I would follow you fully. Lord, in some right now are bearing those marks of being fairly weathered in the faith. They have known loss. They have known what it means to struggle to stand up and say what's right in a difficult conversation. They know how difficult it is to be positive when others are negative, Lord. Father, I pray that you would watch over these people. Help them to follow you fully. And Lord, if there are any who do not yet have that peace, but want it. Please remind them, Lord, that even now they can come to you. Just come as they are. And that you forgive. That you pick us up, brush us off, and you give us a higher calling to follow you fully. 
And you remind us that in that life, you never, ever leave us. In Jesus' name, amen.